Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. Start by asking you a couple of questions this morning. And uh, they're kind of rhetorical, but I want you to be thinking about them as I ask you. So um, in John chapter 18, you remember when uh, Jesus is taken uh, before Pontius Pilate and uh, Pilate is talking to him and Jesus, he asked Jesus a couple questions, you know, so you're a king. And, and Jesus responds to him and he says, for this reason I was born and for this purpose I came into the world. Does anyone know why Jesus said he was born and for what purpose he came into the world? Do you know the rest of that sentence? To bear witness to the truth. For this reason I was born and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. And that's when Pilate turns and says, what is truth? Because the pilot doesn't know what the truth is. Let me ask you the next question. So Jesus gets the disciples together. This is the last day on earth. He's, he's about to send up into heaven. And he gets the disciples together. And he says to them, uh, just, I mean, literally, just before he goes, he says, um, but when you, re- you will receive power from the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be what? What's going to happen when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on them? Anyone remember? You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. You are going to be my witnesses. Every week here at New Stanton Church, at the end of the service, Pastor Steve, 99% of the time, and someone else every once in a while, comes up and we say a mission statement. Anyone remember the mission statement? How many of you can say it with me? By faith, we strive to be living evidence of God's love by sharing Jesus Christ, the hope for today and tomorrow. Amen. Good job. Good. Great. So we do that every week, and we do that for a purpose. So let me, let me just summarize. So if Jesus came into the world to be a witness to the truth, and if the last thing he told us before leaving this world and going into heaven is to be a witness to the truth, and if every week we stand here and we say our job is to be witnesses to the truth, why are we so reluctant to tell the truth? Why are we so reluctant to share the gospel? Why does it seem like so many of us just don't want to tell other people what it means to be a Christian? I thought Amy was going to preach my sermon, by the way, so I was getting a little nervous there, right? A recent study by the Barna Foundation, and Barna does a lot of studies on what's going on in the Christian world, but a recent study that that the Barna Foundation did found that about 95% of practicing Christians believe that a big part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus Christ. How many of you in the room would say that a big part of your faith means you've got to be a witness of your faith? Yeah, less than half of you. 
That, that's going to bear out here. About those same number of people said that they believe the best thing that could ever happen to someone is that they would come to know Jesus Christ. How many of you would agree with that? Like the best thing that could happen to the people you love is that they could come to know Jesus too. Amen? I believe that 100%. Unfortunately, when they ask how many times people had shared with someone else how to become a Christian or what it means to be a Christian, 55% of those people never have shared their faith. Never in their life have shared their faith with someone else. The study found that about three-quarters of millennials, and millennials are those people between 25 and 40 years old, three-quarters of millennials say that they know how to respond when someone asked them about their faith. And they said that they are actually gifted at sharing their faith. And yet half of those people, 47% actually, said that it was wrong to do so. It's wrong to share some, your personal faith with someone else of a different faith, hoping that they will come to share your faith in Jesus Christ. Those are kind of scary numbers, right? Do you, you see what I'm saying? Half the people don't say, well, maybe we should be sharing our faith with other people because um, they're, they're a different faith. Why are we so reluctant to share the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, right? We can say that it's cultural. We can say that it's, it's you know, generational, like maybe the generations before us were a little bit more open about that. We can say like it's a personal thing, but whatever the reason, and I'm not saying this to let you off of the hook in any way, but it's, it's not anything new, right? This has been going on for a long time. So let's, uh, let's take a look at Moses. So Moses was called by God to deliver the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, right? And Moses is standing in front of a burning bush, and God is speaking to him from the bush, and he tells Moses, this is what I want you to do. And Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And so God answers him. And then Moses says, he says, well, what if, what if um, they ask me who sent me? What do I tell them? And God said, well, tell them I sent you. Well, what if they don't believe me? I'll give you signs and wonders so that they will believe you. Well, then he says, um, Lord, I've never been eloquent. I, I can't speak very well. And God says, don't worry. I will put the words in your mouth. And finally, Moses just whines. God, please just send somebody else. That's a true story. It's right there in the word. See, Moses is reluctant. He does not want to go. And finally, God says, fine, I'll send Aaron with you. Moses doesn't want to do it. How many of you know the story of Gideon? Uh, Gideon, most of us know at least a little bit about Gideon. What we know is that he tested. He said, God, do you really want me to go and, and, and overthrow these Midianites who are overlords over us? Do you really want me? He actually says, and this is my, the piglet part of the story, he actually says something along the lines of, 
Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. How many of you envision Piglet when he's standing there and say, but it's such a big world for a little piglet like me. That's what, that's what he's doing right there. He says, like, I'm so small and so insignificant. Why are you saying to me? Not once, not twice, but three times, Gideon says, Lord, prove to me that you really want me to do this. And he does. And God proves to him every time. And then the other one that I wanted to share just quick, and, and look, the Bible is full of these stories, but is Jeremiah. And we all think, Jeremiah, he's a great prophet, 17 years old. God calls him, and he says, uh, you're going to be my prophet. And Jeremiah says to him, he says, uh, oh, I'm just a kid, sovereign Lord. I, I don't know how to speak. What do you, and, and, the, and the translation of that, the, the clear translation is that is, Lord, I don't even know what to say. I'm just a kid. I'm only 17. How are you sending me? And God said, don't worry. You're going to be my prophet. Jeremiah really didn't want to go do see, go it. So, so you see, without, uh, there's a lot of reluctant prophets in the Bible, but without a doubt, Jonah is number one, right? I mean, Jonah like took uh, uh, this uh, reluctancy to a whole new level. Like he just upped the game for everybody else. Let me read it for you, uh, starting in Jonah 1, 1 through 6. He said, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to, this great city of, uh, to the city of Nineveh, that great city. Announce my judgment uh, against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and, sorry, he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and began to throw the, the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in a hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share this morning. And Lord, I pray that my words are true and that they are of you. And Lord, that you would teach us what you would want us to know today. Just open our hearts and open our minds, Lord, in Jesus' name. It, it, amen, amen. So it seems to me that um, God has called Jonah to a really difficult task, right? It's only one of a very few times that God actually calls a prophet of Israel to go to, uh, to a Gentile nation to call them back to repentance. But it really isn't unheard of. I mean, think of what God said to Paul. You're going to be my witness to the Gentiles. That's exactly what he did. He routine, routinely calls us these days to go into Christian uh, or to go into non-Christian communities and countries and around the world into different people groups to share the gospel. In fact, Jesus laid it out really well in Acts when he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. Every Christian is called to be a witness. Amen. Every Christian is called to be a witness. That is your one job that you've been given. One. 
See, we think our job is to be good little boys and girls. Our job is to be witnesses to his greatness, not our goodness. That'd be a spot for an amen, hey? Amen. And not unlike those first disciples, we're supposed to be witnesses in our home and to our family. So that's what I think of our Jerusalem. So the first place you need to worship or to witness is in your home. A friend of mine used to say, there's no magic in an airplane ride. So you say, God's calling me, and jumping on an airplane and flying to a foreign country doesn't make you a great witness. You have to witness at home first. The second place that Jesus said that they needed to witness was in uh, Jerusalem, Judea. And I think about Judea as our, as our friends, the people you hang out with, your co-workers, the people who know you. Your life needs to be a testimony, Amen. The third place, he says, is that we need to go to the community at large, and that is Samaria. That's like the people at the gas station, the people at Walmart, and the people down the street from you, the people that you run into in your community. We're supposed to be witnesses to them, to share the truth of the gospel. And some people are actually called to go to the remotest parts of the earth and to share their witness there as well. Every believer is to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, calling people to repentance. That is our job. The only real difference is where he's calling us to go to. But it has to start in your heart and has to start in your home. Nearly every believer at some point has to go into a Nineveh-like place. We go where there are people who are not Christians, where they may even be hostile to the gospel, and we share the message of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So I'm encouraging you today to do that. Unfortunately, most of us have a little bit of Jonah in us, don't we? Instead of going east to Nineveh, we head in the opposite direction, just like Jonah, and we head towards our own Tarshish. We go the, we go the opposite way. Would any of you disagree that what Jonah did was disobedient? I love that Amy used that word because it was. It was. He's just being bad. He's just being disobedient. God said, go here, and he didn't want to go. And the storm is a consequence of his disobedience. You see, there's always, folks, there is always a consequence to disobedience. So let's take a few minutes, if we can, and let's look at the consequences of Jonah's disobedience because these are the same kinds of things that oftentimes can happen in our lives when we are disobedient as well. The first thing that happened was separation. It's, um, verse 3 says, But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Right? See, Jonah wasn't fleeing from Nineveh. He was trying to flee from the Lord. Let's get that right. His intent was to get away from being in God's presence. Now, you and I know that you can't literally get out of God's presence. You can't get away from him any more than the rest of us can. But his action caused a separation between himself and God. He was separated from his, the fellowship with God. He was separated from praying and, and his comfort with God. And it's important that we understand that it was Jonah who tried to move away from God and not God who left Jonah. In fact, God never leaves Jonah throughout the entire event of his book. Jonah was trying to, see, uh, to, to hide because sin, that deliberate disobedience, 
results in broken relationships. So if you feel like you are far from God, sometimes we need to check ourselves. Am I moving away? Am I separating myself because of disobedience? Because I didn't listen to that little whisper that God put on me. I didn't, I didn't feel that check that he put in my soul that said, hey, go talk to that person. Am I just going through the motions of being a believer, but I'm not really going through the actions and, and holding it close in my faith? The second thing that happened with Jonah was the shipwreck. The consequences of disobedience is that we are in danger of shipwreck. Verse 4 says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. God sent this storm to stop Jonah from fleeing to Tarshish and bring him back. That's why the storm came. God sent the wind, caused the storm, so that Jonah wouldn't run away. Many Christians have made a shipwreck of his or her life and ministry because of their disobedience, because they've not done what God has called them to do. Most of us in this room could, and those of you online, could name half a dozen people right off the top of our head who have in some way or another ruined their marriages, tarnished their witness, and destroyed their ministries simply because of disobedience. In fact, you probably have someone's name in your mind right now. This person, that person. Or maybe it's yourself. My experience has been that, and I don't think it's all that unusual, but my experience has been that God does something to bring us back, to turn us around, to get us back on the path. He doesn't abandon us. It's we who abandon him. I know personally, it seems that every time I started to wander from the path, God has given me a warning sign, a, a shot across the bile, if you will, to call me back, a warning that I'm heading into dangerous waters. And as believers, we can trust God that he's going to forgive us and bring us back into fellowship with him, but our sin still always has consequences. Sometimes they're immediate, sometimes they come later, but sin always has those consequences. So if you're running away from God, don't be surprised if a great storm comes up in your life. Don't be surprised if things aren't suddenly going the way you want them to go. God is trying to get you to turn around. If we persist in disobedience and we insist on having our own way, don't act surprised when you end up shipwrecked. Hebrews says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he's accepted as a child. Now there's one more aspect of being shipwrecked that I want to touch on real quick if I can. That's the cost that other people pay for our disobedience. Other people pay a huge cost for our disobedience oftentimes. Sin often puts other people in danger as well. And it's often people that we claim to love the most. We hurt the people we love the most because of our disobedience. Jonah's disobedience put an entire shipload of sailors and all their cargo at risk. No sailors, all at risk of losing their lives. So I think it's good for us to ask ourselves, 
Are other people's lives being affected by my disobedience? Think about it. How many of our friends and family and co-workers don't know the life-saving message of the gospel simply because we didn't tell them? Even though God was calling us to do it, we didn't take the time to, to tell them. I know firsthand how easy it is to turn and run from God and what he's putting on your heart. I first heard the, the gospel or, or the Lord call me to preach the gospel when I was in my early 20s. I was living in a cabin in Alaska as being a man's man, running chainsaws, building log cabins, hunting moose, <laughs> right? And I heard this call. You're going to be my witness, Chris. You need to be my witness. Oh, no, I'm not, man. I got in the car, and I drove to the upper peninsula of Michigan, moved way out in the middle of the woods where I didn't think anyone would ever find me. Well, here I am. God found me. But how many people missed out on the gospel message? How many people did I not share with over those years? How many people did I do harm to by running away from God, you see? Now, I'm not saying that, that someone else isn't going to preach because God's going to send someone else to get those people. But how many of those people could I have talked to? How many of those other people living in Alaska, being the man's man, lived for years in that way without knowing the grace, the love of Jesus Christ? How many people were there like me, hiding, right, from their problems? How many family members are living in chaos and sin and shattered relationships because I refuse to be the witness that God called me to be? My computer is acting silly here for some reason, so you have to excuse me when I pause too long. The third one is indifference. I believe the storm was God's way of giving Jonah a wake-up call, literally, Right, Because in verse uh, 5 and 6, it says, All this time Jonah was sound asleep down in a hold, so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God, and maybe he will take pity on us. That's a, there's this indifference that comes across us. When we fail to answer God's call, not only do we miss the blessing of obedience, but it drags us down into this spiritual kind of depression or, or dysfunction. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you felt that? And just like Jonah going down into the body of the ship or the hold of the ship and falling asleep, it seems to me that a lot of people in the church today have fallen asleep. We've just fallen asleep. We have a job to do, but we're sleeping on the job. There's a medical term called atrophy. Anyone ever hear that word before? Atrophy is a medical term that basically, if you don't use a muscle for various reasons, it, it loses its coordination, it loses its muscle tone, you lose the strength, and eventually you just can't even use it. It, it won't do anything. If you want to use it, you, you can't use it. And that's a lot like what's happened to the body of Christ. We are so used to sitting around being spoon-fed the gospel that we have become spiritually obese. Spiritual fat cats, I call us. But we can't move. We can't use those body parts anymore because we're just so used to sitting around and not being on the move. We need to get up 
and do what God is calling us to do. Thank you. I like that. Thank you. But listen, it is not too late either. We're suffering from a lack of exercise, right? We're so used to sitting around and not getting the exercise that we have our real danger of becoming the people that James warned when he said, don't merely be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We're suffering from a lack of exercise. And as a result, the body of Christ was at the feed to the point where it just won't move anymore. It's not too late. It's not too late to turn it around and the church can be a body in motion. You and I have to step up and exercise. We have to work at it every single day. We'll become stronger. We will become fearless. One author said it this way, and I just love the way he said it. He said, as Christians, we have the solution to, mankind, to mankind's struggles, but like Jonah, we're often unconcerned. We become indifferent to the people all around us who are so desperately trying to find purpose and direction in life. You hear it all the time. What's my purpose? Anyone else ask a question? I can tell you right now, every single one of you, I can tell you what your purpose in life is. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. You were created for that purpose. That's what he says. I didn't make it up. And as Christians, listen, we have the only right answer to that question. No one else has the right answer to the question. We have the right answer, but it seems that we all have this little bit of Jonah in us, and for any number of reasons, we refuse to tell them. I call those um, barriers to action, because it's not easy to share the gospel, is it? Like, what was that check in in your soul, Amy, when you felt that nudge, that whisper to share, but you're like, oh... Right? We all kind of have that. Lord, call somebody else. Please, Lord. Just like Moses, we start whining. It can be overwhelming to share the gospel sometimes. It can be a little bit scary. It can put you at odds with your family. Your family might start like questioning your sanity. You may think that you don't have the right personality or the right character for it. Maybe you think that you don't have a compelling testimony because everyone, everyone who shares the gospel has to have that story of when they were a Satanist first, right? Or how horrible the life was. They can't just be a Christian. Everyone has to have a compelling story. That's not true. Maybe you think that you have too much sin in your past to be a, a, a person who can share the gospel. That's not true. There's no such thing as too much sin in your past that God cannot heal. Amen? Because we serve a God who can what? Raise people from the dead. Amen? We serve a God who can do anything. I mean, God is incredible. We don't have too much sin. Maybe you think that you don't know enough. I tell people all the time, I don't know what God will do for you, but let me tell you what God has done for me. That's my testimony. And then I make it really short, like three minutes because I don't want to bore them to death. Maybe you don't think you're spiritual enough or religious enough. That's probably a good thing, by the way. Maybe we don't have the courage to follow through with the mission, and maybe most of the time I think we're just afraid to fail. But I'm here to help push you past those barriers, to get you to, to say, you know what, I can do this, because the bottom line is that God calls every one of us to repentance. 
See, the Bible is clear. God called each one of us to minister to other people in one way or another. And it isn't the kind of witness or the size of the task that matters, but the willingness of the believer's heart to be, to be obedient to that call. Amen? Amen. There is a line in the movie I remember from years ago. It was Keanu Reeves. I can't remember the name of the movie anymore, but he was a baseball coach of this inner city team. And there's all these little tough guys around, and he said, the, he said, the biggest thing about winning is just the ability to show up. And he said, I am blown away by your ability to show up. Christians, we have to show up. We have to go to the party. We have to be there. We got to show up. We got to be that guy that shows up and is ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of us fail at the same thing as Jonah did all these years later. Sometimes I think that story was put in the Bible just for me because we all fail at the same thing. We refuse to show up. So let me close with this couple of thoughts. Jonah ran away, I think, at least in part because he thought he had to do this on his own. He forgot the most important lesson of all when it comes to ministry. It's not your ministry. It's his ministry. We don't do anything under our own strength. We do everything in his strength. At the start of this message, I mentioned Moses and Gideon and Jeremiah, three of the most well-known prophets in history. All three of them reluctant to go and to share what God was calling them to do. All three of them had a reason why they could not go. But God answered all three of them with the same phrase. I will be with you. Now go. I will be with you. When Jesus gathered his disciples on that mountain top in Galilee just after the resurrection, and he gets all the disciples up on the mountaintop, we know it as a great commission, and he says, go therefore. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the age. Friends, we do not have to do this alone. We don't have to do under our own strength. I will be with you. That is God's promise. So I encourage you to consider God's call. Don't be afraid because God will be with you as you show people Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to share this morning. And thank you, Lord, for put a burning desire in our hearts to share the gospel. We want to, Lord, but sometimes we, we just back out for some reason. Lord, give us the courage to follow through. Let us know that it's not us, that you'll put the words in our mouth that we need to say, that you will put the motion in our feet when we need to move, Lord, that you will give us the, the wisdom and the, and the ability to say the right thing at the right time. And Lord, all we have to do is give it to you to be your body in motion, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.